Welcome back to Tales of Southwest Michigan's Past. This is Michael Delaware. I am your host, and I love exploring history of lost places. In fact, I would say probably nothing piques my curiosity more than the discovery of a town that no longer exists and finding information about some of the history that went on there but everyone has forgotten because the place no longer is around. And such is the case with a little community that was known as Lawler's Corners. And it was just east of Augusta. And its location would have been where Fort Custer was built during 1917. And the last remains of this little community were wiped away when they built Camp Custer in 1917. So we're going to take a look at the history of Lawler's Corners, and it is a fascinating tidbit of lost history here in Southwest Michigan. So come along and join me. So when you're looking for information on Lawler's Corners, there's not much out there. I did find a reference in a book called As You Were Fort Custer, and it was published in 1985 by Faye Clark. And she includes in here a history of Lawler's Corners and the Lawler School. But before we get into that, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about where it's located and the remains of what is there today in terms of a cemetery. Lawler Cemetery, as we know it today, is located in Charleston Township, It was originally known as Lone Pine Cemetery, and then later known as Territorial Cemetery, and then it became Lawler Cemetery. Now, Lawler Cemetery is located on Territorial Road in the middle of Fort Custer Recreation Park and Preserve. Now, the cemetery was once called Lone Pine Cemetery. And it's located over in the Charleston Township area, and if you're going to visit it, you have to contact Charleston Township before you do that. The Territorial Road, if you've listened to some of my earlier podcasts, ran across the southern part of Michigan, and it was originally built upon the old Indian trails. And the Lawler Cemetery is located right next to where the old Territorial Road was. It was on land owned by a man named Frank W. Lawler, who was a local farmer at the time, And the cemetery contains the tombstones of some of the state's early pioneer settlers. Over time, the trail grew into a stagecoach route between St. Louis and Detroit. And eventually, the area was farmed by other early settlers. And in 1917, several family farms were taken by the government to build a military camp. And that camp became Camp Custer. And it was used for the buildup for World War I. A lot of history goes with the other village called Harmonia that was bought and taken over by Camp Custer as well. But not a lot of people remember Lawler's Corners or that area where the Lawler Cemetery was as being taken up by the camp. And I believe to gain access to the cemetery today, you have to actually go on to the military base at uh, Fort Custer. So what was this little community of Lawler's Corners? Well, in the 1830s, the nearest stagecoach stop to Augusta was at a man's farm whose name was Ambrose Cock. And he had a farm near this crossroad, and it became known as Cock's Corners. And it was about two miles from the Augusta village. If you Listen to the podcast episode I gave on some of the history of early Augusta. 
this was a location where a lot of the stagecoaches would initially stop and drop off the mail for the village of Augusta because there was no road that was navigatable into the village of Augusta from there. And so people from Augusta wanting to get their mail would come out to Ambrose's farm and pick up their mail and packages and supplies. And it was an individual route between that location and the village of Augusta because the stagecoach route didn't go that way. It continued on down the territorial road. Augusta was a little bit off of the territorial road area at the time. And later on, eventually, a stagecoach route went into the village of Augusta. So Ambrose Cox Farm, or Amber Rose Cox Farm, was known as Cox Corners. And it was about two miles from the village of Augusta. It later became known as Lawler's Corners because of the farmer that was right adjacent to it. And it was essentially a very small town, and it was located on Climax Road. This road was closed during World War II, and Lawler's Corner was named after James Lawler, as I mentioned before, who was a farmer in the area. He was one of the earliest pioneers in this section of the township. And there was a general store there at one time known as the Court of Honor Lodge Hall. And then a man named Ed Coe, C-O-E, turned it into a regular old-time country store where kerosene lamps were burned and everything from pepper and soda pop to pianos and potatoes were sold. Stock consisted of confections of dry goods, ready-to-wear clothing, hardware, and whatever you needed as a farmer in the community. All in a room measuring about 30 by 40 feet. Around a big iron stove, farmers gathered every evening to smoke and talk over the neighborhood news. So this was also a gathering place in the community for local farmers in the evening to go down to the general store. There was also in later years a filling station and a second-hand business located at Lawler's Corners. Sunday church services were held every Sunday in the schoolhouse. There was the Lawler School that was built there. The Kalamazoo local history page from the Kalamazoo government um, website has a little history of the Lawler School in Charleston Township. It was known as District 1, Section 10, and it was on the Fort Custer Military Reservation, where that is now. And it was on the southeast corner of Territorial Road and Augusta Road. The Lawler School has an old photo on this website from the winter class of 1891, and it depicts a room full of students. And I'm going to guess that there is about 25 students in this photograph. So it wasn't a very big school. It's very interesting here. It has a list of the teachers over the year. 1921 to 1922 was Miss Anna Smith. 1925 to 26, Warren Brown. 1927 to 28, Hilda Garland. 1929 to 1930 was Frances Briggs. 1930 to 31 was Dorothy Colvord. And 1931 to 1936 was Miss Lucille Greer. 1937 to 37 was Mrs. Frances Healy. 1937 to 39 was Hazel Thompson. 1939 to 1941 was Marion Pete. And she was the last teacher listed. There were no longer any other teachers listed on that. So the school probably closed sometime after 1941. There was no record of who was the teacher other than it said 
Charleston Township winter term on the photograph for the 1891. So the school existed at least in 1891, and it went till about 1940. It was probably around before then, as Lawler's Corners was established as early as the 1830s. So when the schoolhouse was built, I wasn't able to find the exact time. However, there's more information here about that. Sunday church services were held every Sunday at the schoolhouse. Farmers gathered about old tools piled, piled for about 500 feet along the roadside and stored in an old ramshackle house. There's a story of Gil Roswell from the neighborhood who was truly a character in the area of Lawler's Corners. Character might be a bit of a loose description when you hear what happened next. He came home one morning and picked up a rolling pin his wife had been using and did her in with it. And that was all that was noted here. So there was a murder in Lawler's Corners. What year that was was not indicated here. Another settler of Lawler's Corners was Libby Billington, who was the music teacher and head of the Sunday school. She was known as the Good Angel, and the old-timers gave her a buffalo robe one Christmas to keep her warm when she drove around in the wintertime to give music lessons to all of the students in their homes. A happy-go-lucky fellow named David Chinister was of the wit of the neighborhood in days gone by, and he died among the Potawatomi Indians near Athens, Michigan. Wilson Bradley came to Lawler's Corner from Ireland and cleared 160 acres for farming. Indians were living on his property, and deer ran wild in the area. Edco and Fred Daly of Kalamazoo operated one of the largest muskrat farms in the state at Lawler's Corners. Whoever heard of a muskrat farm? That sounds like that would have been a very interesting place to take in. It consisted of 25 acres of swampland surrounded by a wire fence and a five-foot-high dam. Muskrats sold for $15 a pair. So I don't know if they were giving them away as pets or as food. I would think they're probably food. But um, $15 a pair for a pair of muskrats out there. Mrs. Emma Kent, who was active in the Ladies' Library Association, Augusta, for over 50 years, attended the Lawler School. And there was a class reunion of the Lawler School in 1981, and it was held at Crum Park over in Galesburg. And there was a group of the older folks sitting there. They'd all been attendees of the Lawler School. And uh, I can only guess how many classes of those students um, were still around back at that time. So today, the Lawler Cemetery is classified as inactive, and its last burial in that cemetery was January 22, 1974. It contains about 366 headstones and also 26 unmarked graves. It's located in Charleston Township, as I mentioned before, on Territorial Road. It's between the recreational area and what's the National Guard properties over there at the Fort Custer military base. And burials were made in Lawler Cemetery before Michigan became a state, and it has been a township cemetery for 135 years. Asa Gunn, the second settler of Charleston Township, Charles Nichols, for whom Charleston Township was named, was one of the earliest residents of the area. 
is buried in this cemetery. He also planted the um, first orchard in 1842. So Asa Gunn and also Charles Nichols are buried in the cemetery there. The cemetery was created in 1831 or 1832 on land owned by Frank Lawler. The first burial was a 17-year-old boy who died along the wagon trail as he and his family were moving to Battle Creek from New York. So that doesn't make any sense because Battle Creek would have been behind them at that point, but perhaps they were just going on the western side of Battle Creek. And there's also another interesting note. A veteran of the Revolutionary War who was born at Dartmouth, Massachusetts on December 30th, 1758. He enlisted for service in the Revolution, but was forced to give up the war service after being wounded. He died in Otsego on August 21st, 1833, and he's buried at the Lawler Cemetery. His name was Zoeth Toby. Another man that is buried there was named Charles Billington. He was from Augusta, and he had served in the Civil War and had been born in 1843. And in later years, he was an active member of the Kalamazoo Post of the Grand Army of the Republic, and he's buried in Lawler Cemetery. He was a well-known farmer in the area, and in his later years, he had moved to Plainwell the last 10 years of his life after his wife had passed away. So there's an interesting story about a boy who was seven or eight years old that died in Charleston Township. His name was Louis K. Burdick, and his parents ordered a new headstone to be placed over his grave. Now, in those days, a headstone was a luxury. Most of them were wooden stones, and they ordered a marble slab, and they had to go send an order from the township to Detroit to have it be delivered. And it took two years for the marble slab to be delivered because a marble slab in those days was somewhat of a luxury. But it eventually arrived and was placed over his grave at the Lawler Cemetery. And he died in 1834, so the headstone didn't get placed until about 1836 over his grave. So that headstone may very well be one of the oldest headstones in that part of the county. And finally, I'll read you one more story here of a man who was buried in that cemetery. He was a Civil War soldier, and his name was Seth R. Henton, and he was born in 1826 in Erie County, Pennsylvania, and he died in 1912 at the age of 85 in Charleston Township, and he's buried at the Lawler Cemetery. He enlisted in Company G, 98th Pennsylvania Regiment, Volunteer Infantry during the Civil War, and received an honorable discharge on June 27. 1865. In 1866, he came to Michigan and located in Charleston Township, where he had resided until his death. He had long been a member of the Methodist Church and was a formation of the Society of the Methodists in the village, and he was chosen as one of the trustees, a position that he held for 25 years in the community. And most of his life, he'd been in a very vigorous physical and mental health. But in the last few years, his strength had become more weaker as he had gotten older. And he eventually 
passed away. He told stories of his youth when he used to work on the lake, presuming it was Lake Michigan or one of the Great Lakes, and um, spent a lot of time storytelling about some of those days uh, when he was a worker of some kind of the lake. And that's all it says in here. So I don't know if he was one of the men who served on the ships or just worked in the docks or something like that. But there are always amazing stories to be told. And Lawler Cemetery is one that I plan to go do a video on. I tried to get to it this year, but it was just on my list of many cemeteries and I didn't quite get over there. Uh, it is one that I uh, plan to do probably in the spring sometime of next year. It takes a little bit of uh, coordination to get into the cemetery because you have to contact Charleston Township. And I think you also have to go through the military base to gain access. So I'm going to uh, research that over the winter and plan a visit there in the spring and be doing a video on that cemetery to try to uh, bring some of the stories to light about that fascinating place because it is one of the older cemeteries in this area and there's a lot of interesting pioneer history from that place. And I think the little stories that I found here on Lawler's Corners were quite interesting and although it was a very small community and quite and very much forgotten, it uh, served as a stagecoach stop for a long time. I think it was fascinating that they had that general store there and the farmers would gather and tell their stories around a stove at night and um, talk about the weather or whatever else was probably on their mind. And uh, that's kind of the similar story that you hear about towns like Battle Creek and Kalamazoo, that at the end of the day, the men would come into town or into the local gathering place and they'd talk about the events of the day. Either it was the weather or the crops or the uh, politics of the day. And I imagine as it approached the Civil War, they talked about the insurrection down south and what it meant to the economy and the country and everything else. So there's all sorts of uh, interesting tidbits of history that you find when researching stories about Southwest Michigan. And that's going to conclude this episode on Lawler's Corners and a little walk through the Lawler's Cemetery. If you'd like to reach out to me, you can find me at michaeldelaware.com. I also wanted to take a minute to tell you about an event that I am involved in at the Battle Creek Regional History Museum coming up at, towards the end of this month on December 17th, just before Christmas. It is a Christmas program called Tales of Christmas Past. And it is a program that I've been involved in as a kind of a director, and I will also be a presenter on the evening. I did a lot of the research for them on this presentation. And we will be reading stories about Christmas from the Victorian era in the United States. And a lot of it will be coming from Michigan newspapers. I would say probably 80% of the stories come from Michigan newspapers. The rest come from other parts of the country. It's just going to be a very fun evening. I have Dave Eddy as one of the presenters. You may have heard of him as the morning mayor. If you're from the Battle Creek or Southwest Michigan area, he was on the radio for about 40 years. And he'll be one of the key uh, narrators in on the evening reading some of the stories. And he's picked out a couple of stories that he really was excited about reading. Um, and I've got him doing a lot of the reading in the evening. There's also Bobby Mathis, who's been a guest on my show both Bobby and Dave were guests on my show recently talking about the program. 
Um, I also will have Brian and Jill McCombs. Brian has been a guest on my show before, along with Bobby Mathis, when they uh, were talking about some of the events down in Union City around Halloween. And so Brian will be one of the performers. I also have Donna Rickman. She's a reenactor for Sojourner Truth, and she has done Sojourner Truth reenactments for about 10 years off and on. And she also is a member of the Historical Society here in Battle Creek, and she is a board member at the Battle Creek Regional History Museum along with myself. So I will also be uh, performing in the event. So there's all six of us there in this magical presentation on the evening. Now, people have asked me, can I bring my kids? And I think that's going to be a judgment call of the parents. There's definitely nothing that is risque or adult-themed entirely in the show. But some of the stories and poems are a bit wordy. And they are from the Victorian era, so they can be a little challenging even for adults. So whether you think the kids would um, get lost in it, there are some pretty entertaining parts of it that kids will enjoy. I think um, if you were to put an age range on it, maybe 10 years old or older, they're going to have a good time. And it's really going to be up to you as a parent to decide. I mean, you might have an 8 or 7-year-old that uh, would just have a wonderful time at it. We are going to try to do a few things that will engage the kids and um, there's a couple of surprises for uh, kids if you do bring them so definitely pick up tickets for yourselves and your children tickets are available for the two shows there was one show that is at two o'clock it goes from two to four and then the next show performance will be at 6 p.m and it goes to 6 p.m to 8 and the tickets are available at the three battle creek locations of honor credit union there's one on helmer road one on beckley road and one on Michigan Avenue out there in Urbandale. The other location where you can buy it is at the Big B Coffee at Fort Custer on Hill Brady Road. And you can also pick up tickets at the Art Center of Battle Creek and also at the Battle Creek Regional History Museum. The History Museum is open on weekends. They will be closed the coming weekend. Um, check their, their website at bcrhm.org for their times of being open uh, over the holiday season. But you can always message me if you'd like on my website and say, hey, I'd like to get some tickets. Are there any available? And I'll see what I can do to get them for you. Um, tickets are $10 each and there's limited seating. And when they're sold out, they're sold out. So you're definitely going to want to be part of this evening. Uh, Bigby Coffee is providing coffee and cocoa on the evening. And it's just going to be one of the most fun Christmas shows that you come to. And we're really making an effort to make this a, a wonderfully fun evening. And we've got a lot of wonderful stories that you're just not going to want to miss. I mean, it's just these guys that are working with on this performance, or they're all taking it to heart to make sure that the audience has a wonderful time. So it's probably going to be a regular show they do every Christmas season at the museum. And that's what I'm trying to make it into. So this is an opportunity for you to see um, some really great pieces of history. So definitely mark it on your calendar and go get yourself a ticket as soon as you can. And I hope to see you there at the show. And until next time, when we take another journey into yesterday and explore yet another fascinating tale of Southwest Michigan's past, thank you for listening. 